0: From OTMP, this is your COVID-19 update. It is Tuesday, the 22nd of June, 2021. COVID vaccination rates have increased slightly over the last few weeks, and Hong Kong has again recorded over 14 days without local transmission. In OTMP's June podcast, Dr. David Owens and Professor Ben Cowling discuss the recent government decision to reduce quarantine for vaccinated individuals, provided they have proof of positive antibodies. They discuss the evolving evidence for a strong antibody response, especially with Binotech vaccine, and the curious case of the recent alpha cluster in Hong Kong, in particular whether the crocodile was guilty or not guilty.
1: So Ben, it's been a month or so since we last caught up and a couple of weeks since the last infection in Hong Kong. Where do you think we're at at the moment from your perspective?
2: I think we're doing very well. We've been aiming to get to zero and stay at zero, and we've made it finally all the way to zero. And now really is it's our chance to stay at zero for a period of time. We know that infections will be coming sooner or later, but let's hope that it's later and we can relax in this period, go to the beach, meet up with friends, go to the country parks, and hopefully we'll have a period of calm. And during this period, it's really important that the vaccination coverage continues to increase because we know that ultimately once we get that high vaccine coverage we're going to be safe so that even if the virus does come back it won't be able to do very much damage. And you get the
1: sense that vaccine uptake is improving. There was a, a kick-up after the flat and a few, a few other incentives, but following the last couple of weeks, we're sort of consistently at slightly higher numbers and a slight drop-off lately, but what what are your hesitancy survey telling us at the moment?
2: Yeah, we're, we're continuing to look at this every week. We We do our phone survey in the community to see what the intentions are like. Uh, it reached a low point in May in terms of intentions. And at that point, we were forecasting uptake would hit maybe 40%, but not a lot more than that. But since then, since early May, it's been improving steadily. And right now in mid-June, it's looking more like 55 to 60%. We're heading towards 55 to 60%. And that's with all the current things, with the, the the lottery for the apartment, all the other lotteries that companies are offering and other incentives and so on. If there were further changes and I know that this, the reduction of quarantine to seven days could be one of those. If there are other things as well, then I would hope we'll see the, the intentions increase even more, and then ultimately the coverage uh, by the end of the summer would would be quite high. Yeah,
1: we've both been arguing for a, for a while for the normalisation of life for vaccinated individuals. I think this just announced this afternoon, hasn't it, that we're going down to seven days with, with positive antibody studies. You've just submitted some interesting data on on antibodies. What did you find?
2: Yeah, I, I submitted something just recently, and I mentioned it to the South China Morning Post last week, just briefly, that when we look at people who've received either the BioNTech vaccine or the Sinovac vaccine in Hong Kong, after the second dose of each vaccine, people do have antibodies. But there's quite a difference between the two vaccines in terms of people who've received BioNTech have much higher levels of antibodies than people who've received Sinovac. Now, we've only looked so far at the one month time point after the second dose. So people get their first dose, they get their second dose. A month after that, we take the blood and we look at the antibodies and we've seen this big difference. I can't tell you what it would be like six months, 12 months down the line. But what I can say is that just one month after the second dose, there is quite a considerable difference. And that is consistent with what we've seen in, in terms of the efficacy of the BioNTech vaccine, 95% in clinical trials versus the efficacy of the sign of a vaccine, depending on the trial that you look at, 50% up to 70-something percent. So there's a difference in the two vaccines, and we're seeing it reflected in the antibody data. But there's also an implication for, for this new policy with antibody testing on arrival for fully vaccinated people to get a discount on the quarantine down to seven days and one of the issues would be if the people who've received the Sinovac vaccine specifically, if their antibodies are not that high, depending on the antibody test that's used, there is a slight risk that some of them may not show up with antibodies on, on that test. Hopefully the test that's going to be used is going to be sensitive enough that it would distinguish everybody who's been vaccinated. But that was one of the concerns that struck me from the data that I've got.
1: Yeah, our data looks reasonably similar to that. 96% of our patients actually took the BioNTech vaccine. So we haven't really got as much data on Sinovac, although I just reviewed the last... 120 cases and everybody has got great antibody levels the Sinovac numbers are are lower and it's sort of looking to me ballpark that one BioNTech is around about the same antibody response as two Sinovac I don't know how that would fit with your data.
2: Similar to ours as well that's right so so after the second dose of Sinovac uh, antibodies are to a moderate level and after the first dose of Biotech, they were also at a moderate level. And then after the second dose of Biotech, they, they go really to a high level, in some cases, off, off the scale, actually.
1: Yes, and I wonder whether looking forwards, we'll find that you know, rather like with natural infections, that we may end up boosting with a single mRNA. Vaccine, or maybe in the future, a different type of vaccine to give that extra immunity. Because we look in China, we're getting very high vaccine coverage in China now. I mean, China's really accelerated, but it's all at the moment with either Sinovac or Sinopharm, so with killed vaccines with similar efficacy. I just wonder whether in China the plan will be eventually to give everybody that boost with a, an mRNA vaccine or similar.
2: Yeah, we'll have to see what, what their plan is. I don't think there's a lot of data on that kind of strategy. So I think the first thing to do would be to generate data on having boosters or or different types of vaccines together. And then based on that, could make a judgment on whether it would be a a good policy to give boosters out. We also need to be a little bit careful when we look at antibodies, because that's not the only part of the immune system that's important in protection. Typically for other diseases, antibodies are the first line of defense against infection. If you've got a high level of antibodies, you're be, have, have pretty good immunity against infection. Not to say 100%, but pretty, you have a pretty low chance of getting infected in the first place. If you've got a low level, level of antibodies or no antibodies, then your, your risk might be a little bit higher of getting infected. But then after you get infected, it's other parts of the immune system that come into play, like the T cells and maybe even some other mechanisms related to different kinds of antibodies. And so those may be stimulated by vaccination. So biotech and Sinovac may stimulate these other parts of the immune system that still provide protection against more severe disease even for people who still get infected after they've been vaccinated what we don't yet know is how long the protection might last for we know antibodies tend to come down over the longer term but that doesn't necessarily mean that people's protection is is gone and a good example of that is actually going back to 2009 in the flu pandemic when we had elderly in hong kong who, who got h1n1 2009 pandemic h1n1 but not very many and around the world, similar. Not many elderly getting that infection. we looked in blood samples of old people, we can't find antibodies, but they seem to be immune. And we think they should be immune to 2009 H1N1, influenza H1N1, because of their early childhood infections 50, 60, 70 years earlier, when there were similar H1N1 viruses circulating. So in, in, in the 2009 pandemic, elderly seem to be immune but we couldn't see it in their antibodies when we tested their blood because the antibodies had maybe gone to a low level, but the immunity was still there.
1: Yeah. And it- I think we've got some pretty good data now looking at people who had natural infections 10 months, 12 months ago uh, with good evidence that there's persistent T cell and memory cell immunity, even in those who, who lost their antibody responses. And with the natural antibody responses, we saw them drop reasonably quickly, I think. And we've seen some degree of drop within a, a short time, with the, but from a very high level with the antibodies at the moment. You know, my read of this is that there's, it's likely to be good level of immunity regardless of the antibody state, status. I'd say at least a year looking at where we're at at the moment.
2: I would say so as well, particularly for people who've received BioNTech. So whether or not the antibodies come down, I think the protection will be there for quite some time. The the only exception to that would be if there's a new variant. So we've got alpha, beta, gamma and delta now. If there was another variant that appears which can somehow get round the immunity, I hope that doesn't happen. But that would be a, a situation in which we might need a booster dose sooner. But if we stick with what we've got with these variants, then I, I don't think people who've received BioNTech now will need a booster anytime soon. But for people who've received Sinovac now, maybe those are the group that, that may need a booster a little bit sooner.
1: But again, the Sinovac covers and protects against serious illness and disease, doesn't it? And the data, particularly against the Delta variant, which is more BioNTech and AstraZeneca in the UK, is is really positive for vaccination, isn't it? We're seeing those graphs of the age of cases occurring now. The UK cases are pretty much exclusively occurring in the, you know, the under 30s, who are the non-vaccinated fraction of the population. So there's no question at all that these vaccines work against uh, severe disease and hospitalisation. W- would you agree? Yeah, that's
2: right. So I, I think Public Health England have looked at the effectiveness of at least the BioNTech vaccine uh, first, Against the Delta variant. So, for the original virus, the BioNTech vaccine was in the 90s, the effectiveness was in the 90s, maybe 95%. And then for the Delta variant in the UK, the public, I think they've estimated that BioNTech vaccine's effectiveness is in the 80s, 80 something percent. So, it's a little bit lower, but not substantially lower. And that's really good news. For AstraZeneca, the starting point is a little bit lower. So, the efficacy goes down a little bit further against delta but still even people that get the breakthrough infection after they've been vaccinated if they still get infected it tends to be a mild infection and there's very few serious cases of covid in people who've been vaccinated very few and so in we can imagine in a in a future world where the majority of people have been vaccinated that COVID will no longer pose a major threat, even if it does circulate, even if it does cause mild infections. There won't be too many severe infections anymore, and it would just be something that's that more like seasonal flu.
1: So if we look at the situation in Hong Kong, we had, what, seven and a half million of each of the vaccines ordered. Do you think it's fair to say that both these vaccines are really good? They're good in, in stopping death and serious illness. We know that now that there's very good evidence that biotech is a more effective vaccine in terms of both efficacy in studies, its effectiveness in population studies, and the antibody data that we've got. So it makes sense to use those as much as possible, but accept the fact that we're dealing with a very good vaccine and a really absolutely first-class vaccine. I mean, would you agree the data is so much better than we could have hoped for when we first started six months ago?
2: Yeah, even looking back a year when we were thinking about when vaccines might be available and we weren't sure there were vaccines planned and in development, but no idea if they were going to work or not. So it's fantastic that we find ourselves now in June 2021 with two vaccines available in Hong Kong, other vaccines available in other parts of the world, which are saving lots and lots of lives. They're preventing severe illnesses and deaths. And I just wish that we had even more vaccines available in the world so that we could really see an end to this pandemic sooner.
1: Going back to the point that we've discussed before about managing risk, we've both argued that you can't eliminate risk and we have to mitigate and and manage risks. We're beginning to see changes, aren't we? The government is acknowledging that uh, somebody who's... PCR negative who's vaccinated and who's antibody positive only needs to spend seven days in a quarantine centre. Personally I think that's seven days too long, but it's a nudge in the right direction. Where else do you think we'll see masks? Do we need to be wearing masks outdoors nowadays?
2: What I'd hope is that we we can see the vaccine coverage get up to a high enough level in Hong Kong that All of the COVID measures can be relaxed, not only the quarantines and the face masks, but also the group sizes, the social distancing, the restaurant measures, the bar measures and so on. And what I can imagine is that we get to a point where there is 60 something percent, 70 something percent coverage in the community at that point, provided that vaccines are still available for anybody else who wants them. So the remainder can still choose to go and get vaccinated if they want to at that point i'd be i'd be fine with the decision to relax all of the covid measures and say that it's up to individuals whether they still want to get vaccinated if they haven't got vaccinated If they have been vaccinated and they still want to wear a mask, that's fine. If they want to socially distance, that's fine. But no more community level policies, no more community level measures, no more quarantines, no more other things. Because at that point, I think it's it's time to get back to normal. We can't spend the rest of our lives fighting this virus and trying to keep the numbers to zero. We've got other things to be getting on with. So once I, I, I say again, once I once the coverage gets to to some level, whether it's 60-something percent or 70-something percent, I think it's time to say that enough's enough and we can relax the community measures and leave it up to individuals to make their choices about how they want to reduce their risk of getting infected if they're worried about getting infected. As an
1: example of the difficulty in managing complete unpredictable risks, we had this little cluster of the alpha variant, the UK variant, and I had to double take because I think I heard you on the radio a, a couple of weeks ago being asked whether the crocodile was guilty <laughs> of uh, bringing in this yeah. disease. should be innocent
2: until proven guilty. should be innocent <laughs> until proven guilty. That's and, a legal standard.
1: <laughs> and for anybody who didn't see that, there was a question as to whether the alpha variants had been brought in on a frozen package of crocodile meat from Thailand, yeah, which it is was, an interesting it question to say, right, Why, why there would be a frozen crocodile meat in a in a freezer in a hong kong apartment but i think we have to suppress the craziness of that one and ask was the crocodile responsible or not and if not where did it come from
2: it was crocodile spare ribs if i read it correctly in, in the local news and when the the health authorities went to investigate this particular case they took swabs from the person's home including in the freezer and they found virus on this particular packaging and so there was a hypothesis that maybe it had come into hong kong maybe on the packaging because it was frozen, maybe the not the crocodile himself or herself, but the person who was working in the packaging factory had COVID maybe and breathed on it and that's how the virus got there and then it made the journey here and then contaminated the person here got it from the packaging and then spread infection around but i think that's pretty unlikely i can keep an open mind i wouldn't rule it out but i think it's pretty unlikely we've heard a a few times that frozen products whether it's frozen salmon or or frozen meat from other parts of the world has been blamed for outbreaks in this part of the world but i think it's a pretty low chance a pretty low possibility much more likely in my opinion that there was an unrecognized case in in the community maybe even a few unrecognized cases in the community and somehow infection got to this particular person and it was they who contaminated the packaging in their own freezer maybe by coughing or sneezing or even just breathing into the freezer and the virus got there but we may never never really know and when we look back at the past year we've had eleven thousand odd cases of covid in hong kong there's certainly more infections than that we've been doing analysis of blood samples that we've been collecting from people in the community to see how many people might have had unrecognized infections and there definitely are Unrecognised infections as people who've had very mild or even asymptomatic infection that's never been picked up. Our estimate is maybe four or five times as many infections as cases. And so I'm not that surprised that there might be a a small number of unrecognised cases, whether it's this alpha variant cluster or or some other, other cases in the past year. We'll, we'll never ever be able to link every single case together, even back to the origin of the person bringing it into Hong Kong in the first place. But the contact tracing is doing a reasonable job to put together at least the larger clusters.
1: It's interesting, ben, cause, I because mean, you're a statistician epidemiologist. I'm a family doctor. And for both of us, in different ways, a major part of our life is recognizing and managing uncertainty. And I certainly find in my job that it's harmful as a doctor to create an illusion of certainty for people. This is This is why, for example, the United States spends 18, 90 percent of its gross domestic product on healthcare. because if everyone with a headache gets an MRI brain scan, you you do a lot of tests and don't necessarily improve health. Whereas, again, philosophically, from a health perspective, making people feel healthy is about recognizing and learning to live and tolerate uncertainty. Mm. And this is the sort of dilemma, I think, that we're we're in at the moment, that we're getting this illusion that, you know, by having more quarantine, more public health measures, we can somehow make ourselves safe. Well, we can't. There is uncertainty everywhere. And the balance is how do we best navigate the uncertainty we're dealing with? And I would argue that we best navigate by doing things which encourage vaccine uptake and accept that we can never eliminate risks, which is the sort of point that we've been arguing hmm. in the past.
2: Yeah, I think once, once we get to the high vaccine coverage, we won't, we won't have zero COVID anymore. We may have small numbers of cases from time to time in the community, may even have outbreaks in the community. But that's going to be something that's unavoidable, I think, in in the coming years. What we can do is each choose to protect ourselves by getting vaccinated. And as long as the community's got a high vaccination coverage, then the, the health of the community as a whole won't be seriously threatened by small numbers of of infections the problem we've got right now is we can't return to normal because the vaccine coverage is too low if we were to open up now and relax the quarantine all the other policies now we'd have infections coming in and spreading and then soon after a lot of sick people it it doesn't take long for numbers of cases to build up it starts slow but then once it once it gets going it can pose a real challenge even now in in june 2021 so really the emphasis now has got to be on taking the opportunity now to get vaccine coverage up to a high level in the community so that we won't even have a fifth wave to worry about by the time we reopen and, and infection eventually comes back into hong kong we'll have a high level of coverage of, of vaccination and covid won't pose a threat anymore
1: well on an optimistic note vaccine hesitancy does seem to be reducing to some degree you you had that analogy of the of the sailing race you think people are getting ready for the start line now
2: yeah i think so And when i watch sailing races you see people floating around behind the behind the start line sorry looking for their opportunity to get to the front just when the starter's whistle blows so they've got their momentum and they're they're sailing at full speed at that exact moment and i feel like one of the factors in hesitancy is people waiting to see when they should get vaccinated so that they've got the maximal level of protection for the longest period of time and in a way getting vaccinated today is too early because you don't need the protection yet what i'd like to see is more people getting vaccinated now and in the coming weeks or months because it's not too early. We will be opening up sooner or later and the protection is going to last for long enough that there's really no reason to worry about losing immunity or or waning immunity. There's no reason to wait for any other vaccines to be available because there's nothing on the horizon better than what we've got. The BioNTech vaccine is, is actually the best vaccine in the world and so there's really no reason to wait for any other vaccine to become available. I would encourage everybody if they haven't been vaccinated already to go and get vaccinated.
1: Yeah absolutely I mean that question you know, I'm, I'm waiting. What are you waiting for? I mean, I think we've got we've got the best available uh, vaccine. We've got plenty of availability to have the vaccine, and it does look like things are beginning to open up. So there's now increasing reason to go to get vaccinated. So that's definitely an optimistic note to, to end on. But before ending, uh, one final note of congratulations, because apart from defending the rights of Thai crocodiles, the other thing you've been doing over the last few weeks is is getting recognized for your fantastic public health communication and you received
2: the MBE. So congratulations. Thank you very much. Yeah, I'm, I'm honored to receive it. I, I've, I've been working hard in the past year or so, and not only me, but, but the whole team of us here at Hong Kong New School of Public Health. And I think we have made a real contribution, not only domestically in Hong Kong, but also some of our findings have been cited around the world. So I'm I'm really Happy to get some recognition for the work that we've been doing here. Really, it was a big surprise, but um, delighted.
1: Yeah, and absolutely thoroughly deserved, as you say, both for you and on behalf of, of the team who have produced some of the leading COVID research in the world, and, and it's been cited in Nature, in Lancet. It's uh, really Hong Kong University Public Health Department is recognised very widely. So congratulations and thank you again for taking time out of your busy schedule hopefully
0: next time we catch up we'll all be flying around the world without any
2: worries (laughs) yeah
0: as always the links to the papers and surveys discussed in this podcast including further information about antibody testing are available on our website at www.otmp.com if you enjoyed this episode please don't forget to like comment and share wherever you get your podcasts thanks for listening